0: Fifth Sunday, Family Sunday, you know, the vision for this really came out of um, how many babies we dedicated at the end of December, and uh, as we pulled together as a team and debriefed that, um, very simply, the idea was, why don't we do this more often, and why don't we identify things that need to happen more often so that they can become more sustainable, And things like baptisms and and baby dedications and and things of the sort. And so that just led us into a discussion uh, about the fifth Sundays. There's four a year. And so um, we're going to cut out those four Sundays and dedicate those to house matters and and family matters. One of the things I wrote down on here was uh, this Sunday is designed to create regular state-of-the-house addresses, for us to receive regular updates on the state of Antioch Church, for us to rejoice over quarterly testimonies, accomplishments, and growth, uh, as well as for us to engage together in alignment over future initiatives and projects that God has for us as we continue to move forward together as as a community of faith. The the celebratory events like our baptisms and baby dedications uh, we initially had planned Um, to do that here in this first one. And then as we began getting into it more and more and thinking about why we do what we do and how we want to do what we do, um, we decided that everything that we do should always not only be biblical, obviously fundamentally it should be biblical. There should be Uh, teaching, there should be foundationing, there should be understanding. We don't want to just bring babies up here and pray over them because it's some form of religious ceremony. We want the hearts of the parents to be firmly in agreement with what's happening in that moment. We want the people that are experiencing baptism to have a biblical understanding and they can link their faith and it can anchor them to the event that's taking place. And so we do that with our offering, we do that with worship, we do it with communion, uh, we endeavor to do that with everything that we do, and so uh, as we prepare for our next Fifth Sunday Family Sunday, those of you who want to bring forth your babies to uh, dedicate them corporately, and also those of you who have not been baptized but want to be uh, about four weeks prior to that Fifth Sunday, we'll have some classes, and we'll make sure that there's are sign-ups that go out in ample time, and uh, it'll be a, just a, a good opportunity to go through some foundationing, so that you can, um, so that you can really get everything out of that moment that you want. Um, let me talk for a few minutes about just where the state of the house is at and a few things. Uh, I want to start off and just talk about our life groups. I'm not going to hit every area of the ministry; time doesn't permit us to do that. But I do want to. Uh, I want to highlight uh, our life group ministry. Now, about two years ago. Uh, the Lord really began speaking to us about the necessity of kingdom community. And uh, the foundational scripture there is found in Acts chapter two. I'm gonna read that here for us. Many, many passages of scriptures that we could point to, but I'm gonna just use Acts chapter two as a launching pad for uh, the spirit behind kingdom community, the spirit behind life groups and and why we believe that they are a non-negotiable Um. That being said, there's, there's clearly no guilt, no shame, no manipulation, no form of obligation for those of you who at this time, life does not permit you to be a part of a life group. We understand that. Uh, that being said, what I very simply wanna do is I wanna put attention on uh, some of the victories. I wanna put attention on the biblical impetus, the biblical imperative that God lays out for us to um, not just gather together corporately, I heard a preacher say this one time that circles are better than rows. And then in rows, um, you know, we there, there is a purpose for the corporate gathering in terms of assembling before God, prayer, worship, hearing the apostolic and prophetic word that comes forth on a very regular basis and aligning ourselves corporately to that. But relationship doesn't happen by looking at someone's back of their head. Uh, authentic relationship. Um, well, even inauthentic relationship doesn't happen looking at the back of someone's head. Hank Bond has coined this phrase that I, that I really like. And, um, you know, intimacy and vulnerability and life happen within the context of the life group. Maturity happens within the context of the life group. Um, learning how to disclose who we really are learning how to trust others, learning how to forgive, learning how to be gracious, learning how to serve, learning how to be selfless, patient, learning how to be quiet when we want to speak. All of those things happen within the context of our natural biological family, but they also happen. There, there is a, there's a very real grace that I have for those things with my natural biological family. And uh, being in a cabin Uh, For a week, you realize how low that grace can be at times, especially when it starts to snow and you're literally stuck in a cabin. But for the extended family of God, I think that measure can be a little bit less. And it's an incredibly growing opportunity when we choose to engage in relationship with others. Uh, One of the most significant victories I know that I personally have experienced was working through some personal disappointments, hurts, and and outright betrayals relationally. God's wired me to be a very relational man. And I think the enemy knows that. And there's been a number of assignments against that throughout my life, uh, not the least of which have been some very uh, painful um, relational betrayals that have taken place. And when we started our life group journey with our first round of life group leaders, the day after our very first meeting, the Lord asked me if I was ready to open my heart again relationally to people, to be a father spiritually, um, to be a son, and to be a brother. And uh, I said yes, and I'm so grateful that I did. And so for those of you who have not yet um, attempted that, I wanna lovingly encourage you. Life groups is not something, it's, it's not a program. Uh, it's not something we tack on to an already very, very busy schedule both within the church and within all of our lives. Um, Our philosophy here is that in order to lead a group, you have to be in a group. And so I belong to a life group. I belong to two actually. And, And they're incredible groups. And they strengthen me and they sharpen me and they provoke me and they encourage me in so many ways. And if you ever find yourself in that feeling when it's, it's coming about five o'clock or 5.30 or, or maybe you're working late as many times as I do on life group nights and it's around six or 6.15 and you're very tempted to um, not go, uh, that, that's a very real feeling. I wanna validate that's a very, very real feeling. But for everyone who's experienced that feeling, you can probably also attest that when you chose to press through that, God had incredible blessings and incredible life an incredible relationship that came out of that. Some of my uh, fast becoming closest friends have happened as a result of Life Group community, have happened as a result of these incredible men and women that God has put here in this body. And what I want to do is I just want to say thank you to all of our Life Group leaders, those who labor so diligently and I don't do this to embarrass you guys, but I'd like for you guys to stand up. Just all of our life group leaders, if you wouldn't mind standing up. And Mark and Isella, I want you guys to stand up too. You guys are always life group leaders in my heart. And I just want to bless these guys. I want to bless them. Father, I bless all of our life group leaders right now in the name of the Lord and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for these incredible men and women of God. For David and Trisha Polry, Hank and Lorraine Bond. Father, thank you for Ross and Sarah Wagle, and Mark and Isella Irwin. Father, thank you for Bernard and Quantina Dickerson. Father, thank you for Gary and Jill Gramlich, for Mike and Christine Carbajal. Father, for Seth and Sarah Kinnearum, Jordan and Alyssa Huggins. Father, thank you for Sidron and Tamara Smith. I'm not missing anybody, am I? Thank you, Father, for John and Lisa Collicott. Father, we're so grateful that you have put pillars in this family and we bless them and we honor them today for being exemplary people, for being elders in every biblical definition of the term, for being trustworthy, dependable men and women of God. Thank you for Jeff and Jessica Ward. Thank you for the ministry that they carry. Thank you for their heart. Thank you for their anointing. Thank you for their passion. And thank you, Father, that they shoulder the load of living and loving people. Thank you for them, and I bless them, and I cover you today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So if you're not in a life group, you really are missing out on a lot. And uh, to the degree that your schedule and life permits, I wanna encourage you, give it a shot, give it a try. And uh, we have information on life groups out at the Welcome Center in the foyer. I'm going to turn our attention here for a few minutes and talk about where we are at financially. And Joe, if, Joe has uh, Joe's our bookkeeper and finance manager, and has been diligent to help um, create some graphs and charts to help us understand where the state of uh, Antioch is financially. And so I'm gonna go over a couple of things. I'm gonna be very, very brief with, uh, with this particular report. Let's go to Joe, if we would. Um, let's go to the 2013-2014 uh, income comparison. There's a lot of analysis and interpretation that goes into uh, these kind of things that uh, we'll expound upon more. I'm not sure how well you guys can see that. It looks probably just like a bunch of squiggly lines from where you're at. Um, the colors not coming out too great. Um, there's a blue line that which represents our 2013. There's a red line which represents our 2014. And this very simply is just our income. Uh, that's great, guys. Thanks for turning those lights down a little bit. On the left, we see um, 40,000 to 60,000. That that pretty much is our our average range as it relates to what comes into the house. And you can notice uh, there are some peaks, uh, April and December. It's funny. Uh, December is very self-explanatory. We have year-end giving, we have an increase of attendance usually around Christmas. And um, as I was analyzing these these numbers, I kept beating my head thinking, what's going on in April? Why is there always a spike in April? What's going on in April? I'm a little slow on the uptake here. And uh, as I was driving in this morning, I was like, oh, Easter, that's right. The two times of the year, here you see it in, in very quantitative analysis, Those two big peaks right there represent uh, Easter and Christmas. And uh, they also represent times where uh, we see an increase in giving. Let's go to the next one, Joe, which uh, is our 2014-2013 expense comparison. And um, we can also see some uh, spikes in expenses. And I'm going to pay attention to the red number. This is just a comparison. The blue represents 2013. If you'll notice this green line that green line reflects what our current operating budget is, which sits right around $48,000 to $50,000 a month. And I'll explain what, uh, what all goes into that number here in a few minutes. Um, so we look at January, here's our, here's our peaks, our mountaintops as far as expenses go in 2014, January, and then again, October and November. We see also little spikes uh, in April and July. And I, I see a, I consider a spike anything over the green line Those are spikes in expenses and uh, what we'll do in our next presentation, we'll show you the amount of difference uh, both in the profit above the current operating expense and also the loss. And then we'll also show you the difference between the amount coming in and the amount going out. Those are just helpful numbers to understand from a bottom line standpoint. January uh, not very difficult to uh, understand there. We do have a, a number of events that take place in February. And sometimes when you put those events on a credit card for all the types of expenses that go on, then we find that we're paying for those um in, in January, October of last year, we had a number of guest speakers that came in. We had You Live, we had Pastor Scott and Marsha, we had Ken Gill. Uh, and then in November, we also had our um, our first Antioch family conference. And so um, that I think that reflects some of the spikes that you have. Also, when you see a couple of those mountaintop spikes, uh, two times a year, we have uh, three payrolls a month. And... Um, Uh, I didn't pull out my 2014 calendar to identify which of those two times a year were. I knew one was in that October-November time frame. I think the other one was probably over there in April. And so that's when we also see spikes in expenses within that month. When we have, instead of two uh, payrolls, we find ourselves having three, just the way that the calendar rolls. All right, let's take a look at this year. We'll look at 2015, although there's not much to report. Uh, We'll take a look at the first quarter. And why don't we look at the uh, income expense comparison for 2015, Joe? Thank you so much. The blue line represents income, and the red line represents our expenses. So sitting pretty well. As we look at January, that's obviously um, good in terms of an increase of ex- uh, income over expense. February, if you'll notice, our income dipped down to 42,000 and. Uh, 500, and if you'll remember, um, we had a snow day where we canceled service, and uh, we typically average anywhere from t- 10 to 12 thousand dollars that comes in a week, and that week we had two, and so um, so when our when our finance guy sends out e-blasts that remind everyone about the opportunity to give, uh, it's because it really does make a difference and uh, missing a service really has a, a huge financial uh, consequence to it. So, but praise God, the expenses weren't that great. And we had enough uh, in January that exceeded the expenses that we were able to make up for that. And then March, we're sitting pretty even. Um, in terms of uh, what we're looking at as, as we move forward from here, and I'll get into this when we talk about the, uh, the prayer objectives for the year. One of the things that we know that God has called us to do, to be into, is to uh, have our own building. And um, that may mean that we'll lease space for a while before we purchase our own. That might mean that we go straight into a purchase situation. Uh, that may mean God may just move it upon someone's heart to just bless us outright, and I'm completely okay with that as well. Uh, we, we do have a conviction to uh, move into those decisions debt-free. And uh, without, without meddling too much or without getting on too much of a soapbox, let me just share a, a, a little bit of a thought with you. And this is not, this is not a uh, comparative statement in any way whatsoever. But about three weeks ago, I believe it was a service that, that Jonathan was up here leading. Um, we were in worship and um, I, was, I was undone. I was on the floor. And I felt a real sovereign sense of the fear of the Lord to not move and not to touch anything. It was actually the Sunday after uh, the snow day that we missed. It was the same Sunday that Becca came up around, right around 11.50. And and by the way, I think there was a little bit of confusion because the bulletin said Cindy Jacobs was gonna speak on that day. Let me just give you a little bit of understanding what went on there. I received a a text message earlier that week and uh, Cindy was planning on coming in. She experienced some weather delays on Saturday. And by the time that we got to Saturday night, uh, she said, there's, there's no way that I can make it in. She said, I'll, I'll do my best to see if there's any flight that leaves Dallas early Sunday morning that will get me there right around the time service starts or maybe even in the middle of the service. And I said, that's fine. Sunday morning, we got into, uh, I, I woke up and the first thing on my phone was a text from Cindy and she said, there's just no way that I can make it. Uh, the latest or the earliest flight that I can get in would be eleven thirty and so I knew coming into the service uh, I was prepared to speak, and I knew that cindy wasn 't going to be here, and then God showed up in a very real way and uh, we love you cindy but i 'd rather have the lord <laughs> i would just rather I would just rather have the Lord. Uh, we did learn a lot from that situation i 've uh, debriefed that uh, multiple times with multiple peoples. And uh, we recognize looking backwards that in those moments when we feel like the Lord is showing up to just have a better communication plan for everyone so they understand, hey, you guys, why don't we just brace ourselves and let's just relax in the presence of the Lord. I think worship went an hour and, a, an hour and 45 minutes that particular Sunday. And, uh, and then Becca came up and she gave some prophetic words and then went into ministry. Right around the time uh, noon hit, um, and some of this is understandable. number of people ended up having to leave, grab kids, they have prior commitments, what have you. And, uh, you know, as as a guy who has to look at those kinds of things, um, I do my best not to be ruled by that. I do my very best not to let those kind of things control me, but they are a reality when it comes to nonprofits. Uh, I'm responsible for seven other salaries besides my own. And if worse comes to worse, Christy and I will always do without before we ask our staff to do without. That's just the heart that we've taken. And that's the way that we want to steward things as it relates to taking care of the people that God has blessed us with. And so um, as people start walking out and, and things just start running through my head, Becca's in the throes of ministering. And I just realized there's probably no great way to do this. And so I felt in my heart, and I don't know if this was just me or if it was the Lord, but I felt in my heart this question, and the question very simply was, and if you want to know who, who Antioch's about, th- th- this is a part of what Antioch's about. I have made commitments to God that this place belongs to the Lord. It's his. And I believe that God pays for what he orders. That doesn't mean that we can be irresponsible or sloppy. He pays for what he orders. And I believe that he has ordered a particular type of church in this city in this hour that is unreserved and is relentless in pursuing him. And that's not gonna attract everybody and I'm okay with that, I've dealt with that. And I dealt with that five years ago, very, very uh, strictly I dealt with that. But on that particular day, just a few weeks ago, the question was, who are you more concerned about losing son, people or me? And I felt like the Lord, or I just felt the thought in my heart, the thought in my heart was, Every pastor comes to this place, has to come to this place. They come to a juncture where they make a decision and the decision is who, who must I make sure that we don't lose? And um, I'm not gonna try to say I've got this all figured out. I don't think it's an either ordeal. I mean, there's a lot of arguments on both sides. But if I have to choose in my, my limited experience, I'm gonna to choose to keep God. I'm gonna to choose to keep an environment where I, where I feel like he's welcomed and he's wanted. And again, I'm not trying to say I've got that all figured out. Uh, there's a lot to cram into a two-hour period of time every week, the preaching of the word, the power of testimony, the power of worship, prophetic declarations, intercessory prayer. There's a lot to squeeze in. But here's, here's what I've just settled on. If people are walking out the door, we had a snow week, snow week the week before and, and, and we're not sure we're gonna be able to receive another offering. I just choose, God, we're not gonna lose you. We've gotta have you. We've gotta have you. the moment we lose him, we lose everything. And the moment we lose him, I think we cease to be a church. We really do. We may have good speakers. We may have good inspirational talks. But we're not a church in the biblical sense of the term. And so uh, I want to thank you for being a people that uh, are willing to take that ride. And being a people that are, that are willing to worship God. For two hours, or to be flexible, or to wait in his presence or do whatever is required, I honor you guys. I want to say thank you. Joe, let's take a look at the uh, 2013 actually the 2014 expense overview. This is just a, it's a pie chart that uh, in our old church we used, to have, we used to have pie Sundays where we would pull out the pie chart and we would bring pies, and we would do stuff like this. We'd have these kind of talks, and I don't know, maybe we should do that sometime. Or maybe I'm just getting hungry. I don't know, uh, but you'll notice uh, the biggest part of this pie here is it goes to compensation, and and that's actually a little bit over what it should be. Uh, most uh, research and statistics stay say that you should really stay below fifty percent. Anywhere between that forty and fifty percent is 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 pretty healthy. Um, the reason why I share everything that I shared going back to the building is that. We've got a no debt philosophy. And, um, you know, we could push things and we could get into a building and, and probably overreach and overstretch. But here's what would happen there's a number of things that could potentially happen. Number one, we wouldn't have the ability to hire and staff the amazing staff. And I mean that we have an amazing staff. Now, these guys give, they serve, they do it all with a pure and passionate heart. They work overtime they, and, and they just they do it because they love the Lord and they love the house and I do my best not to abuse that. Um, so we would not be able to have the staff that we have if we were underneath a, a large mortgage. Number two is, and I've just watched this happen by experience, um, when you are under the weight of a 20 to 30 to 40 in some churches, guys, we're, we're, we're upwards of over a over hundred to $500,000 a month to pay for a building. When you're under that, it changes the kinds of decisions a pastor makes. It just does. Whether they want to or they don't, it just affects a pastor on a subconscious level when you know that you've got a 250 to $500,000 mortgage hanging over your head, you can't, well, you could, but it's very difficult to say, God, have your way. Because you know that when people leave, their leaving affects all those lines. And so my faith and my conviction is that God, whenever you move us to our place, that you're gonna do that without debt, and you're gonna do that in a sustainable way so that we can continue to tabernacle the presence of God. And for all of our setup team, for all of our nursery workers, our children's workers, our ushers, for all of our teardown team, for all of our worship team guys who get here Saturday night at 4 p.m. with kids and pull all that stuff out of there and set it up and tear it down every every Sunday. I, I know that this is not... Um, an an, an easy decision, but it is a conviction. It's a conviction to keep God. It's a conviction to keep him number one. And it's a conviction to be able to to do things in a sustainable manner. And I know that you're paying the price for that conviction. And I wanna say thank you for that. I really do. Um, The compensation right here, this includes salaries, raises, bonuses. This includes, and this is not something, raises and bonuses aren't things that we can do as much as I'd like to do, but uh, when we can, we do them. And um, I'm not saying this is the best policy, but somehow, sometimes what we do is we, we bring people on uh, and they're brought in at the very least that they can take. I mean, there are breaking points, but some of our staff come in, they say, listen, I can't go any lower than this. And based on where we're doing financially, we'll bring them on we'll, and we'll stretch and we'll reach. And then the goal is very, very quickly to just increase them as as much as we possibly can. Um, That also includes insurance. We we cover insurance for our staff members. Uh, The the next pie, the 13% represents our giving and ministry partners. Uh, We sow into a number of ministries. One of the first things that we instituted five years ago uh, was we immediately took 10% and we said, "We're we're gonna take this 10%, we're gonna sow. We sow into international ministries, we sow into local ministries. Um, and, and we can provide a list of all the ministries that we sow into for you. Uh, in addition, that 13% there also represents uh, 2% of everything that comes in goes to KMI, which stands for Kingdom Ministries International. It's the it's network and the family of churches that we belong to, led by Dennis Peacock. And then my personal tithe goes to uh, our overseers, Dennis and Jan Peacock. Uh, 10% goes to our facilities. That includes CSCS. That includes uh, special events that we do where we have to rent out Springs Journey or we have to rent out this building. That also includes Mod R, our offices, as well as Mod Q, our multi-purpose. We we do so many things in there from drama training to missions training to, um, golly, Generation Church to guest luncheons to men's prayer to Sunday night pursuit. Uh, I think I'm trying to prove to the Lord that, um, we're, we're, gonna, we're not gonna have any problem utilizing a building when he finally gives it to us. And I'm, I'm not into this use it one day a week. I'm like, man, anybody who wants to do anything, do it. Take care of it, clean it up, and let's use it. Use that thing up. I want it to, that to be a community center. Uh, that also includes Mod P, which is right next to Mod Q, which includes our storage. We had at 1.6 storage units around the city. That was when we first moved because we didn't think we would be transient this long. And so we've condensed two airplane hangars and four storage units down into Mod P, which is pretty impressive. All right, uh, Purple, which is our ministry expenses. This is everything from all of our department ministries, anything that goes into life groups, men's ministry, women's ministry, children, Nexus, Generation Church. Uh, this also includes uh, large events, Easter, Christmas Eve, um, July Fourth, so on and so forth, and and those large events, those community events, those are designed to be relational evangelism opportunities, and so we have no problem investing into those, and um, I I just I like to be generous and try to provide for as much as we can in those in those moments, and so um, our our marriage retreat, our 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 ministry crew training, all of that would go into uh, ministry expenses. And then finally we have operating expenses, which is just your phone, your internet, your constant contact, your, uh, paper, your copier, just stuff that is required, bulletins, etc., cetera, et cetera, that, that make a place run. So that's the breakdown of where, uh, the finances go. And, uh, let's see, Joe, is there anything else I'm missing? I think that's it, huh? All right. So that's a breakdown of where we're at financially. And um, let me do this. If I could just secure, let's throw up the, uh, the pray the eight and I'll close with our, our pray the eight. Do we have that up there? Awesome, awesome. At the beginning of the year, we, uh, we empowered you, Antioch Church, the people of God to hear from God what God is saying to us for 2015. And uh, tons of tons of words came in and we condensed all of those things into eight themes and um, these themes comprise what we are calling our prayer targets or prayer objectives for 2015. You're gonna start seeing this everywhere, on our bulletins, on the website. You're gonna start seeing this in e This is gonna guide our pre-service prayer times. I want every life group to be praying these things. Every time life groups get together, life group leaders will pray these things. We're gonna be praying these in, in our main service because we believe that these are the things that God put on our heart Each of these is rich with a lot of prophetic words that we'll actually make available to you guys in summary on the website. Let me just walk through these. And uh, in the past couple of weeks, I've been endeavoring to teach on these. I I thought initially I would just group them all up and knock it out in two weeks. And God, I just don't, I realize I don't work that way. I wish I did, but I don't. So um, God Encounters, which we preached on three weeks ago, worship, which we talked about the power of worship, especially the new song. There's gonna be a lot of new songs released this year harvest, which is what we were going to preach on last week. Um, we believe that this is a year where the Lord was going to bring in harvest. And I know we, we pray that and we believe that every year, but I'm going to keep praying it until I start seeing more souls make decisions for Jesus Christ and their eternal destinies changed. Number four, healing and miracles. We, uh, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but to say, um, I, th- I think there's something more required of us. And I'm not sure what that is, but I think there's something more required of us. That there's something to purchase, not from a works standpoint, but just a transaction in the kingdom for us to purchase as it relates to us assuming the prophetic words and us assuming the fulfillment of the promise to see healing come, pl- come forth in this house. This, is, this house is called to be a healing house. We're gonna preach on that. We're gonna teach about that in more detail but I, I, am, I am believing for healing to come to the sick in Antioch Church and in our city. Number five, there's a number of words that came forth for a building. And, uh, and one was uh, even just very specific and very bold as to say that it would be a building that is debt-free and land. And I say, yes. So I'm, I'm actually recruiting you to pray for a building. I, I believe it's time. I believe it's time. And should the Lord like Mark said, cause that promise, you know, to stretch out a little bit longer. We're gonna do that with joyful hearts and we're gonna seize the opportunity. But we're also in the middle of that, gonna believe with faith that God is gonna give us a place. It's gonna be a healing center. It's gonna be a community center. It's gonna be a place that equips people in our city. Number six, um, God has called us to have city influence and impact and Becca prophesied that God would give us strategies that will affect our city. And so I'm really turning my attention towards that in the next three quarters of the year. A lot of words on holy community, uh, not the least of which there have been a number of words that Antioch is supposed to be a very accurate ethnic representation of heaven, of God's heart for multiple ethnicities and multiple races, of which I could not say a heartier amen to. Um, I want that, and God wants that, and I believe that it's something that... uh, Antioch is supposed to be here in the city. It's supposed to be a multi-ethnic representation of the heart of God. And then finally, there were some very specific words as it relates to uh, youth and young adults and some things that God's going to do in that demographic of people. So we're going to make each week, we're going to expand more and more upon these, but uh, we're calling this our Pray the Eight initiative, hashtag Pray the Eight. So anytime you see that on Facebook or Twitter or all the other social media things out there, uh, you'll know what that's all about. But we're gonna take each of these and focus on them and we just wanna rally your hearts to get into agreement in praying these eight core objectives for 2015.